Future Proof with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Hello and welcome to Future Proof, the podcast. This is the show where we take a closer look at the world around us. My name is Jonathan McRae. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us, scienceatnewstalk.com or find us on Twitter. We're at News Talk Science. Now, immunotherapy is a type of cancer treatment that helps your immune system fight cancer. And in principle, the idea is brilliant. It harnesses your own body's defences to remove the harmful cells. And when it works, it's a phenomenal new tool. But unfortunately, response rates are not very high. And Typically, the therapy is only successful in 20 to 40% of patients. Why is that and how can we improve it? Well, Associate Professor Aideen Ryan is working on that exact problem. Uh, she is uh, Associate Professor in Tumor Immunology at the University of Galway. Uh, welcome to the program, Aideen. Um, let's start off with the simple definition of what immunotherapy is, how long it's been around and so on. Great, and th- thanks for the invitation to your show, Jonathan. Um, it's great to be here and great to hear the interest. So immunotherapies, as you said, they have phenomenal promise. Great hope. It's probably been one of the biggest breakthroughs in the last 10 years in the cancer research space. But as you said, it's got a problem, and that is that not all patients respond. And in fact, over all of the cancers, if you look, like you said, be- only between 20 and 40% actually respond. So what we do in my lab is we focus on bowel cancer, and this is one of the cancers that has an overall poor response to immunotherapies. Um, And I guess the the focus um, or the challenge that we have set up for ourselves is to identify why that is. So what we do is we have worked with collaborators internationally. And in fact, um, we started our research asking the question about what's different between the cancers that respond and the cancers that don't respond. So what we did is we worked with our collaborator um, who leads a team of researchers in Queen's University of Belfast, Dr. Philip Dunn, and they used um, a neat tool that they use actually in the hospital. They looked down the microscope at these tumours and they tried to figure out what was different. So we call that pathological profiling. So they looked at those um, tumours and in colorectal, there was one feature that stood out that was different between the ones that respond and don't. And that feature was an expansion of what was actually normal cells in those tumours. So we know that tumours are made up of a mix of normal and tumour cells. So what we identified with our collaborators was that these tumours that didn't respond well had a very high number of normal cells around the tumor. These were called stromal cells. Hmm. So it's all about location, location, right? So what we identified was that where the immune cells were in these tumors was within the stroma. And that's not where they need to be. They need to be near the tumor cells to kill the tumor cells. In terms of the immunotherapy itself, how does that work? And, and, And why do you see it not working just because there's some normal cells in the way? Yeah, that's a really good question. And that was one of our questions as well. So immunotherapies work by killing the cancer. In order to kill the cancer, our immune cells will recognize them as different, right? And in order to recognize them, there's a flag that they hold up to the immune system and the immune cells go in and they kill the cancer cells and they're called killer T cells. In order for that to happen, they need to be right beside the tumor. So what happens in the tumors that don't respond very well is that you've got these stromal cells which get in their way. They basically block their access to the tumor cells. And what we wanted to identify then was, well, if those killer T cells are within the stroma, what are they doing there? And what are the interactions that might be preventing them from doing their job? 
So then what we discovered is we took a lot of different approaches in the lab. And what we discovered was that those normal cells are actually hijacked by the tumor. And what they do is they quieten the T cells. And the way they do this, we've discovered, is that they put on this cloak. And the cloak is, is composed of these sugar molecules, which we called sialoglycans. And that cloak, not only can it cover the stromal cells, but it can actually signal to those killer T cells, which have sensors on their surface. And those sensors then tell the killer T cells, you know, nothing to see here. Um, and they walk on by or right. they stay where they are. They don't become activated. So um, I, this is a, a sort of a side question. I always imagine tumors as being sort of clumps of cells stuck to tissue. Is that is that what they look like? Is it, you know, when we talk about a tumor, is it one big large mass or is that how we think about it, but does it, does it look quite different under the microscope? No, actually, it, it is it is a mass of cells. So, so tumors actually arise from cells that, you know, gather mutations over your lifetime. And those mutations cause that cancer to grow uncontrolled. So in theory, yes, it's like a, an expansion or lump of cells. Right. But as a tumor develops, it also interacts with the environment that it's growing in. And it draws in immune cells like we've talked about. It kind of expands the other normal cells like that define tissue architecture because these stromal cells are part of our normal tissues as well. So the, it, it, it kind of um, interacts and kind of integrates into the local tissue. So, so when these immune um, fighting cells, these killer T cells are in our body and they can get to the, the tumor, they recognize it as a tumor cell, they have no problems fighting it. But the problem you're saying in, in uh, these patients that don't respond to immunotherapy is that the, the, the normal cells are sort of co-opted into, into hiding the, the, the T cells, sort of like uh, uh, hiding, the, hiding the terrorists in a, in a cave or something and, exactly. and the T cells walk on by. So um, why do they do that? Do, do we know why they do that? And, and is that easy to fix? Yeah, I mean, so the, it, it's quite complex, right? Because there's we're we're talking about one one area that we found as a, a potential reason why it doesn't work. There's other reasons. It's not the only reason. There's other reasons in a, in in a in a sense that tumor cells can actually hide their mutations as well. So that's another way that they can do it. But in terms of hijacking the normal cells, I mean, our theory is that is this an evolutionary. Um, uh, mechanism that the tumors have for survival you know base survival you know they're going to try and dampen what it is that's going to to kill them right so i guess that's the way we think about it um so that they've evolved this this way to hide themselves very clever but also very frustrating when you're trying to treat um patients and, and remove these tumor cells so how do we um get rid of this signal or or pull off the cloak what what is your research looking at so um, so we've taken two approaches to this. So I talked about the cloak, um, which is made up of sialoglycans. Now that cloak can, can be kind of forced onto those stromal cells in two ways, right? It can be pushed on using machinery inside the cell. And that machinery adds those sugar molecules on and they get out to the surface. And then on the, in another way, it can actually be controlled by stopping the enzymes that normally would take it off and control it. Um, which is our body's me mechanism, basically, of maintaining a balance in the body. So it, you know, it, it changes the way it puts it on there, and it also changes the way it takes it off. So what we discovered was 
that if you, you can actually take that cloak off in two ways, you can hit the machinery that puts it on. So we used an inhibitor. And basically what that does is it stops the machinery from working. The cloak doesn't go on. And then you get um, basically a, a lack of, of inhibition of the immune cells or that they, they now should be able to do their function. Right. And then the other um, process that we used is we basically used essentially a scissors. So it's like um, an enzyme on the outside that cuts off the cloak. And what we discovered was as soon as you pull off that cloak using either of those two approaches, getting stopping the machinery in the cell or literally cutting it off like using a scissors on the outside, that the immune system becomes activated. Great. So, so these two different techniques are both addressing the same problem, that this cloak of sugar is hiding the tumor cells. Um, exactly. When you use each approach, is one better than the other? And have you tried this on, on, on humans, on human cells? That's a great question. So what we've done is, um, so the two different approaches, yes, can be used in theory, right? What they, they have different um, dynamics in the body and how quickly they work. If you stop the machinery, it takes a bit longer to work. If you cut using the scissors, it's much quicker, right? So either one of those two things have the same outcome. And what we do in science a lot of the time is we try to convince ourselves. So we could, we used the one approach and then in order to be sure that what we were seeing was as a result of that one approach, then we used the second approach. So that, that was essentially the reason we've done it. But also the reason we took the second approach is because using the scissors basically or an enzyme that can cut off that cloak is because they're, we're working with a company in the US called Pallian Pharmaceuticals. And they are currently testing a drug of a similar nature in clinical trials in the US. So we're constantly trying to, well, figure out number one, how it works. And number two, the pathway to try and get this into um, clinical trials in order for patients to be able to benefit. So, so the million dollar question is, um, benefit how? What is, what is the response rate when you use these techniques uh, in, in terms of immune cells being able to um, remove the cancer through immunotherapy. Yeah. So in our in so we use different models in the lab. So we use uh, preclinical models. We use cells and dishes where we can look down the microscope and and examine what their phenotype is. And in in this study, we also actually took um, cells from bowel cancer patients that were uh, generously donated through University Hospital Galway. So we've actually used um, samples um, from you know real life colorectal cancer samples. And what we could show in all of those models consistently is that we could double the activation of immune cells when we when wow. we clear off that inhibitory signal, um, which is very convincing. What we now hope is that, you know, it's as good in clinical trials as we have shown in the lab, because in, in every situation, you know, you, you break down the problem into a simple um, problem and we examine, you know, one cell and how it interacts with the other cell but our bodies are much more complex. So our hope is that it'll be effective um, or that approach will be effective, but we've got to wait and see. Wow, because, because I'm right in saying when patients respond to immunotherapy, it is a fantastic treatment for cancer and really rolls back the diagnosis in many patients. Is that right? That's right. And actually, um, what your listeners may not know is that in order to test new treatments, these treatments are tested in patients who have failed many other types of treatment. So when you see these responses, 
20 to 40 percent might not sound that convincing, but you've got to remember that those trials start in patients who have been heavily pretreated and failed other therapies. So these responses are actually phenomenal. Uh, no, I mean it, it's of diagnosis. It, it sounds amazing, uh, and uh, and that there's already a trial of this particular therapy already going through the the, the stages of of FDA approval is fantastic because it means that if it works, if we find it to work, you get access to it much quicker. We talked about colorectal cancer, which is your specialty, but how does this um how does this work, or what about this approach for other types of cancers in the body? Will it be as effective or, or or do we see this mixture of normal or stromal cells and tumor cells only in colorectal cancers? Yeah, that's that's an important point. So what we have done is so we, as I said to you at the start, we worked with our collaborators in Queen's University Belfast to define this feature that was present where patients don't respond, which was the expansion of those stromal cells. In fact, there are lots of tumors that are really difficult to treat, like pancreatic, that have a very high level of stromal cells. Wow. We also see multiple myeloma, which um, starts in the bone marrow, has a lot of stroma, as does some breast cancers. So there's there are other tumors that have this feature um, of uh, an expansion of stroma. And what we're hoping to do is to test it, test our um, theory in terms of, de, you know, using this um, scissors approach to activate immune cells in some of those models. And we have, I work with Professor Michael O'Dwyer, who's a hematologist in University Hospital Galway. And through his research program, he focuses on myeloma. So we have some preliminary data to suggest that this idea or this approach may actually work in multiple myeloma also. Oh, my God. So that is um, amazing research coming out of the University of Galway and hugely promising. Uh, As we know, clinical trials often fail at the final hurdle, but this sounds really, really promising. Extremely um, exciting work. Thank you so much for joining us from the University of Galway, Associate Professor Aideen Ryan. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Future Proof with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.